Coming up this evening, live from New York City, President Biden announces student loan cancellations. A former White House economist tells us it could worsen inflation. Harvard facing competition for the status of richest university. Which university might overtake it and why? And Texas banning some Wall Street giants for cutting ties with the fossil fuel sector. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here for NTD Business. In what could be the largest program ever, President Biden today announced $10,000 in student debt cancellations for millions of Americans. Those eligible are borrowers earning less than $125,000 a year or families earning less than $250,000. People can start, finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt to get on top of their rent and their utilities, to finally think about buying a home or starting a family or starting a business. And for recipients of Pell Grants, which are for undergraduates with significant financial need, the federal government would cancel up to an additional $10,000. Current students would be eligible for relief only if their loans originated before July 1st this year. Biden is also extending a pause on student loan payments one more time through the end of this year. And earlier, I talked with Vance Ginn and Lindsey Burke about student loan forgiveness. Ginn is the chief economist at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And Burke is the director at the Center for Education Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Here's what they had to say. Lindsay, Vance, great to have you both on today. Let me go to you first, Lindsay. So just point blank, plan to forgive $10,000 of student loan debt, good idea or bad idea? It's a terrible idea, and it's already more than $10,000 in student loan debt because now it is up to $20,000. So anyone who ever received a Pell Grant who currently earns less than $125,000 per year will be eligible for up to $20,000 in I hesitate, hesitate to even call it student loan forgiveness because it is a debt transfer from people who took out a loan onto all American taxpayers. But they will now be eligible for $20,000 in student loan debt cancellation, which of course is going to put into motion a plan that will further inflate college costs. It will hinder economic growth. It's going to reward upper income earners. And it's gonna provide a major handout to these woke institutions of higher education. Vance, I want to get your reaction, but this is a huge burden on taxpayers, right? The Penn Wharton budget model estimates it could cost taxpayers around $300 billion. Now, is this fair for people who have already paid back their debts? It's, it's not fair. Um, and you can't subsidize irresponsibility and intend for people to act responsible. This is going to continue that. And what we call in economics, moral hazard. It will create more risk taking. And the fiscal part of this is just massive. The amount of cost that this is going to take over time um, could be north of $500 billion, given the changes that the Biden administration made within this executive order. Um, and that's many more times than the supposed deficit reduction from the Inflation Reduction Act that was just passed not too long ago. Um, we're already going in and adding more debt. That's redistribution from those that have higher incomes to those with less income, you know, less than half of the population 
population, fewer than half of the population has not had, does not have a college degree. And so we're putting in place a higher burden on them to now pay for all those who have a degree. This is just nonsense. It should not have happened. And this is going to put us in a worse situation economically, fiscally, and I think for the future of America. Right, right. Lindsay, I want your reaction to that. You, you know, people on average who go to college pay, get paid more in the workforce compared to those who don't go to college, right? So now people who are making less have to pay for people who are making more. And built in all of this is almost a, a tacit admission that college isn't worth it, right? If the administration is saying, well, we need to have taxpayers forgive all of these student loans. And look, if we talk about the upper income earners, the people who attended graduate school, who attended medical school, who perhaps went to law school, those have been the biggest beneficiaries of the Biden administration's largesse. If you look simply at the pause on repayments, which we haven't even discussed yet, in addition to this debt transfer, this so-called loan forgiveness, the Biden administration is also extending the moratorium on student loan repayments through December 31st. That costs $5 billion per month to extend that pause on repayments. And it is the doctors and the lawyers who benefit the most from this. Already to date, people who have a medical degree have received $48,500 in benefits as a result of that pause on repayments. And for people with a JD, it's the equivalent of $29,500. So canceling student loans, extending the pause on repayments is overwhelmingly benefiting the wealthiest Americans at the expense of the working class. This is an incredibly regressive policy. Right, right, Vance. From a different angle, in your opinion, will this have an inflationary effect? It will. I mean, it'll add to the national debt <clears throat> pretty much. We don't have extra money just sitting around in the coffers. And what this does is it reduces the amount of revenue that was expected to flow in to the federal government. And so that's the way that it will increase the national debt in that sense <clears throat> to the tune of maybe 300 to 500 billion more dollars. Um, so how do they pay for that? Well, they could raise taxes. Well, they just raised taxes, but that was for the Inflation Reduction Act, a massive bill that was just passed. So it won't cover this. Um, they could cut spending. Well, they're not doing that, although they should be. Um, so what will they do? They will inflate it away. The Federal Reserve will buy this debt and they'll inflate away this, these dollars. It's just another way where inflation is theft. There's a lot of talk about taxation is theft, but inflation is theft. I mean, it takes away from our purchasing power from no fault of our own um, at a time when many people are struggling. I mean, look, a lot of the people that are in the lower income brackets <clears throat> who are not going to benefit from this student loan um, transfer, as Lindsay put it, I like the way she put that there, um, they're the ones that are going to get hit hardest because those are the prices that are going to go up first in the economy. Right, right. You mentioned a good point, and I want to point something out. College tuition has escalated almost more than everything else in the U.S. Now, if you cancel student loan debt, w w would it make it that colleges will have even less incentive to keep tuition down, Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, the moral hazards, as Vance pointed out a second ago, are incredibly high. And you're right, if we look from the 1991 academic year forward to today, so the past 30 years, total federal aid, so student loans and grants, increased 295%. What did colleges and universities do in response? They more than doubled their tuition in real terms. So they capture the money that's handed out. There was a study a few years ago from the New York uh, Federal Reserve Bank that found that for every dollar increase in subsidized student loans, universities raised tuition 63 cents. So they're capturing a lot of that federal subsidy. 
But look, this loan forgiveness scheme, it ultimately rewards the bad behavior of universities, who, by the way, are sitting on cumulatively $700 billion in endowment money. And it's punishing working Americans who didn't want to attend college or couldn't attain a college degree. And colleges will continue to raise tuition. And of course, they're not going to put this, this new uh, money, uh, this windfall that they've received into lowering tuition or to increasing faculty salaries. No, they will likely plow it into continuing this growing army of diversity, equity, and inclusion officers and all of these other administrative busybodies. All right. Pleasure talking to you both today. Vanskin, Texas Public Policy Foundation, Lindsey Burke, Heritage Foundation. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you. So how did college costs get to the astronomical figures of today? Is it still even worth it to go to college? NTD's Phil Zhou has the story. Hannah Maruyama was in the middle of a midterm exam during her freshman year in college when she suddenly had an epiphany. I was like, why am I here? <laughs> so I took the paper and I tossed it in the trash and I left and I never came back. <laughs> that was around eight years ago. Today, Maruyama is working in tech, making six figures without a college degree. I had always suspected that college was not necessary, but then uh, my suspicions were very much confirmed when I received an offer letter that required a four-year degree in computer science, and I didn't have one. College tuition has been increasing at nearly five times the rate of inflation since the 1970s. That's according to my e-learning world. What used to cost only $3,000 for private college tuition back in 1970 now costs over $50,000 in 2021. I've, I have worked with teenagers 17, 18 years old crying because they are worried about how they're going to pay for college. Jennifer Letwith is the founder of Scholar Ready, helping high school students win multiple scholarships so they can reduce their tuition costs. It's a great way for people who don't have much, who aren't born with much, to build a, a worthwhile life. So how did college tuition get so expensive in the first place? Stuart Siegel, president of FAFSA Assist, who's helped over 100,000 students apply for financial aid, says there are many reasons. Well, government got involved and made uh, basically uh, unlimited amount of money available to parents to pay for college. Parents seem to be willing to pay just about any amount to keep their promise to their children. They, they say, if you do the work, uh, we'll find a way to pay for it. So is college still worth it? Siegel says that depends on the student. It's considered an investment, but you have to look at the student and how investable are they? I mean, do they, are they really hungry to get an education? Are they going to work hard in school? Are they going to you know, network with other students? Uh, are they going to take advantage of everything? Are they going to meet with their professors? Are they going to go to the career center? I mean, a lot of students just don't do that. They don't go to the career center until fourth year, and these people don't know them. For those skipping college, Maruyama shares some advice. I think that what people need to understand is that keeping a, a flexible mindset where you're willing to learn what's needed instead of picking something out of the blue, like a college degree, just picking a major and then just getting a college degree and then hoping that when you throw it against the wall, it sticks. Instead, you look at what companies need, you go get that, and then you can make good money in the market. Phil Zoe, NTD News, New York. The University of Texas might officially become the richest school in the world. The latest numbers aren't out just yet, 
but it's likely to happen. This position is currently held by Harvard. NDD's Colin Fredrickson breaks it down for us why it's likely to happen. The University of Texas is currently the second richest institution of higher learning. Its endowment fund market value of $42.9 billion puts it right behind Harvard, but it may not remain in second place for long because of the 2.1 million acres of land it oversees in the Permian Basin. The school leases the land, which is almost the size of Hawaii, to oil drillers. And because of high oil prices, the University of Texas is likely to become richer than Harvard. $6 million a day is how much the University of Texas is benefiting. Jason Isaac is the director of the Life Powered Initiative at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Its goal is to teach America about energy. After doing the math, Life Powered found that if the university got rid of the land, they'd have to find the revenues somewhere else. Right now, students pay about an annual eleven dollars to $12,000 in tuition. And if they were to completely divest of fossil fuels, every single student's tuition would be required to go up to over $70,000 per year. In 2021, the university reported it produced around 284,000 barrels of oil a day. For context, the U.S. needs around 20 million a day, and the world needs around 100 million barrels. It's uh, clearly a huge boon to the University of Texas and its efforts to be a world-class university, but we have to ask, you know, at what cost? Luke Metzger is the executive director of Environment Texas, an advocacy group. He points to the greenhouse emissions from the energy operations. Metzger believes we need to transition to renewable energy sources. Is it like turning a dial, not flipping a switch? We're not going to just stop using this oil. UT is not going to stop getting this revenue overnight. But certainly in the next few decades. Metzger says pressure from governments and scientists could soon force everyone off of fossil fuels. Not everyone agrees. I see centuries of demand for the oil and gas industry. We're not talking decades. I know that the, uh, the environmentalists, the climate cult, the leftists really want to see this energy transition happen right now. Jason Isaac from the Texas Public Policy Foundation says a quick transition is impossible. We're not going to meet demand. Uh, we're certainly not going to shift that demand. We're, go we're, we're shifting production, unfortunately, to overseas, uh, only producing about 15 million barrels a day in the United States of our 20 million barrels a day of demand, uh, so that, that oil is coming from someplace else. The University of Texas's gains come as other schools, including Harvard, are getting rid of or have already gotten rid of their fossil fuel-related investments. The University of Texas's annual report, which contains its 2022 endowment numbers, is likely to be released this December. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And the state of Texas will not do business with banks that are hostile to the fossil fuel industry. It's a message the state's comptroller is sending out today. Texas comptroller Glenn Hagar has asked the state's various pension funds to divest from 10 banks, which he says, quote, boycott energy companies. To give you an idea of the scale, the state's teacher pension system had $200 billion in retirement funds last year. The list of banks include BlackRock, UBS, Credit Suisse, among others. Hagar says the state of Texas needs the oil and gas industry. And to completely transition away from it is not practical and harms the well-being of Texans. Texas is the number one producer of crude oil and gas in the U.S. The move comes after a six-month review of 150 companies' investment strategies in response, BlackRock and a few other banks say they disagree with the state's assessment. And markets ended higher today. 
The Dow added 60 points, or two-tenths of a percent. S&P rose 12 points, or three-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq gained 50 points, or four-tenths of a percent. And another surprising turn of events in the Elon Musk Twitter saga. A whistleblower complaint was made public this week, claiming Twitter's security plan is not as good as it says. NDD's Colin Fredrickson has this one, too. We know that Twitter has had some security and privacy issues in the past. One analyst says this could give Musk fresh ammunition in the lawsuit over his deal to buy Twitter. Musk wants out of the deal. He says Twitter misled him about how many fake accounts there are on the platform. While Musk has repeatedly complained about the number of bots on the platform, he really hasn't been able to provide any evidence outside of his own experience. And now he can use these allegations really to bolster his argument. The whistleblower is Twitter's former security chief, Peter Zatko. He claims that Twitter failed to disclose weaknesses in its security and data privacy. Even if these allegations turn out to be false, it could still lead to a lot of criticism, some of which we're seeing right now, as well as potential scrutiny from not only consumers and the media, but even from lawmakers. It's not clear if and how Musk's team will use the whistleblower's information, although Musk's lawyer said Tuesday that a subpoena had been issued to Zatko. I don't think that there is a really fantastic outcome for Twitter at this point. I mean, it has spent so many months already being distracted by the Musk ordeal, and every single allegation and new revelation really serves to add more distraction at a time when it really should be focusing on fixing a lot of the problems in terms of its user growth and revenue growth. Twitter estimates it has about 5% spam and bot accounts on its platform, but Musk says he thinks the number is much higher. In July, he told Twitter he was ending the deal, but Twitter wants to force him through it. A trial is set to start on October 17th. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. Instagram is now testing a feature that appears strikingly similar to a feature of its rival, Be Real. For the, Be, for the feature on Be Real, users get a prompt at a random time every day. Then they have two minutes to snap and post a photo of what they're doing, filterless. And similarly, for the feature on Instagram called IG Candid Challenges, it also prompts users every day at a different time to share a photo within a two-minute period, filterless. This is according to photos on social media of the new Instagram feature. It also appears this feature uses dual camera shots, which is a selfie and a rear camera photo simultaneously, which actually is a hallmark of Be Real. A spokesperson for Instagram's parent company Meta confirms the feature is being tested internally. In recent years, Meta has faced criticism for trying to beat competition by copying their core features. Be Real did not respond to a request for comment before airtime. And Illinois Snapchat users could be eligible for some money. Snapchat agreed to pay $35 million to settle a class action lawsuit because of their photo filters. Snapchat is accused of using its photo filters to scan a person's face and collect biometric data without their consent. This is a direct violation of the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. Any Illinois residents who used the feature between November 17, 2015 to now could be eligible for part of the settlement, but they would have to submit a claim by November 5th, and the settlement still needs to be approved by a district court. And now, get this. Detroit man, to avoid losing his car keys, had a chip implanted in his hand that can unlock and start his car, among other things. 
Warning, some viewers may find this video disturbing. NTD's Sean Marshall has the report. For some, implanting electronics in themselves might be a little extreme, but not for Brandon Delali. He took my body, my choice to another level by getting an implant to open his Tesla car door. And then what if you get a new car? You have to undo the process. I direct message Delali, and he told me you can also install apps on it wirelessly for other functions. It can be a secure crypto wallet, provide OTP authentication, initiate credit card transactions in the future, and do whatever else software developers write for it. I feel like there's other ways if you lose your car keys to remember than to get it into your body. But I mean, nowadays, you never know. People are coming up with different ideas. If that works for him, then no judgment. In a tweet reply, Dalali says, I really don't get all the hate. Did you ever have a key implanted in your hand? No, of course not. Why would I do that? Priyam also said she believes electronic devices have harmful rays and that she wouldn't do that to her body, so she doesn't want others to do it either. In the future, it might be a thing. Like You never know. Like There's things you don't, you don't expect it, but it might be a more common thing. I mean, I've never personally heard of that, but, um, I mean, it might work. I mean, it, people, like, they do different things, so I would never, but I assume other people would actually do it. Before you Google how to get your own chip implants, just know that stolen identity and privacy have been major concerns with microchip implants. They can be cloned for various nefarious reasons in a process known as wireless identity theft. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And still to come, the DOT is warning some SUV owners to park outside in case their vehicle catches fire. Then more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Home prices have finally fallen. And it's not just that. It's the biggest single month drop in around a decade as 0.77% from June to July. Data from Black Knight shows this is the first monthly drop in almost three years. Historically, prices rise 0.4% from June to July. It's because families like to move in during the summer. The kids aren't in school and the demand pushes up prices. But the drop this June to July may have something to do with higher mortgage rates. And owners of Hyundai Palisades and Kia Tellurides, don't park your SUV in your garage, please. This is a warning going out to owners from the Department of Transportation. The DOT shared the warning Tuesday. The Hyundai and Kia SUVs were recently recalled due to fire risks. The South Korean automakers said tow hitches on the vehicles could allow moisture in, causing an electrical short circuit that could lead to a fire. Though no fires or injuries have been confirmed so far, this affects Hyundai Palisades and Kia Telluride SUVs made between 2020 and 2022. The DOT said owners should park those vehicles outside and away from homes until their cars are repaired. Hyundai offers an interim repair program for its SUVs, but Kia doesn't offer it just yet. 
Both automakers say, though, they will notify affected owners once a full repair is available. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.